This is Alexandro Segade. Welcome back to Visual Aid's new podcast series. Visual Aids uses art to fight AIDS by provoking dialogue, supporting HIV-positive artists, and preserving a legacy, because AIDS is not over. This is the third of four episodes covering Strip AIDS 2020, a series of four newly commissioned comics that have just launched online at visualaids.org comics. As a visual and accessible medium, comics have long been used as educational tools in the fight against HIV and AIDS, providing life-saving information about safer sex practices and representing communities and perspectives often erased from public health narratives. To celebrate the release of the comics, we've invited each of the artists to be in conversation with fellow AIDS activists and artists to discuss themes and issues that are tackled in their work. This week we are looking at Paco, a comic by Carlo Quispe that explores the fear and stigma surrounding HIV testing in the gay community. Joining Carlo is the legendary artist and HIV advocate, Joey Terrell. Hi, Carlo. Hi, Joseph. Uh, So why don't you uh, tell me about yourself, please? Okay, so my name is Carlo Quispe and I'm a cartoonist. Um, Um... originally from Lima, Peru, and I live in New York, uh, and now I live in Brooklyn. Um, I went to uh, college in the 90s and graduated in 2000 and started working on, um, uh, started doing animation for commercials uh, with a company called Ink Tank, um, led by a a man called R.O. Blackman, who was a New Yorker cartoonist who became an animator and then started his own animation company. So um, I, you know, I just had been making some comic strips right out of, right out of uh, like during college, during school, I came up with my own comic strip and um, yeah, I was able to set up an interview to see if they needed uh, somebody to do like um, inking, inking for the cartoons. And so even though I had never done animation before, uh, my drawing style, it's like a crude, primitive style. And uh, R.O. Blackman, uh, whose drawings are also very primitive and and squiggly, um, he did the uh, 7-Up squiggly guy. I don't know if you remember that old commercial. Yes, I do. Okay, so... It's just like a black and white, weird, uh, stylized, squiggly lines, very uh, European uh, looking, you know, with some watercolors underneath. And so he was into my stuff. He was just like into my, my kind of raw uh, style at the time. And so I just started doing uh, inking for animation and started learning how to edit uh, animation and on video. We started uh, doing commercials for Saturday Night Live and uh, Comedy Central. And then um, 9-11 happened and it basically ruined the uh, economy at the time. Um, but then when the studio closed, I just decided to do construction work or be a waiter or help people move just to be able to just pay my rent and still be able to do like the kind of comics that I wanted to do, uh, kind of independent comic strips. And so 
Bush extended the unemployment benefits for like a whole year. So for a year, I was just drawing comics and, and drawing the streets, the New York City streets uh, for practice and also just to connect with my environment, right? And I started getting my comic strips published in small independent newspapers. The comic strip was called the Everything is Okay comic. Even though there was 9-11 happening and, you know, protest um, against uh, Israel, uh, uh, like pro-Palestinian pro protest happening, like right in Midtown, um, anti-war protest, um, anti-nuclear stuff. I started to um, do big posters and banners and puppets for uh, radical organizations called like uh, Bread and Puppet Theater. And um, I started doing performance art with my friends um, in like downtown theaters and started to connect with other radical people like the cartoonists from uh, World War III Illustrated. And they've been making comics about radical politics since the 80s. And so I came in as like one of the younger people. And so that was kind of like my environment when I was making my first kind of political comics. And, and then I'm, so where does HIV come into play? Well, I was doing some, um, I mean, I wasn't just hanging out with like hetero radicals uh, in their 50s. I was also hanging out with uh, queer, uh, uh, you know, party people uh, in Brooklyn also, because it was like Electro Clash. The time was Electro Clash, and we would party at this place uh, called uh, Lux uh, down in Williamsburg. Uh, this was like, you know, during Bush time, uh, Giuliani time. Um, we would also gather in um, this uh, community garden called uh, Lepeti Versailles, which is um, led by an organization called Allied Productions. Uh, and they're like um, queer theater performance um, collective that uh, have a open air garden uh, where queer people can go there and meet and put on performances and for each other. Um, and which is ha still happening now. Uh, every summer they have a uh, programming up until the uh, Halloween. So they became kind of like, a, like another family of, of artists. Even though I was uh, the only cartoonist uh, at the time in that, in that neighborhood. Um, but that's also how I met uh, my friend uh, Mike Diana, who was a friend of, who's another cartoonist, uh, who was living in the same building as my friends. Um, they're, um, dancers who have been around since the 80s doing radical work uh, and they've been HIV positive um, longer than they have how do, how do I how do they put it they have been living with HIV longer than, than not longer than they've been uh, without HIV yeah like myself yeah, yeah. so well they're really amazing um, artists and they make work out of their lives and their experience. So I feel like I've always um, kind of, it's always not just been around, but it's also been like part of what we make our work about. 
And so they, they responded to some of the gay art, gay comics that I was making. Um, I took uh, the chapter about the, uh, the anus, for example, uh, from the uh, Joy of Gay Sex, which is a very old-fashioned kind of how to have a gay sex book. And I was just obsessed with the chapter on the anus because it was so obsessed with tenderness and, and softness and, and gentleness. And I, I was so, uh, it just seemed to me kind of like a juxtaposition to like all the hardcore porn that we see um, you know, that also focuses so much on the anus, but, but my, but the com- my comic was based on the book. So it was more about like your first time, uh, on how to, um, prepare for the first time, um, how to attend to your lover's needs. Um, it was more about like a romantic moment as opposed to, um, uh, you know, being able to take as much as you could, uh, kind of attitude. So those were kind of like the first comments I made, you know, and they of course said, you know, put on a rubber, put on a condom. Um, and like, this is how you do it. So I would draw, uh, I would draw this couple, which was actually like kind of twins. It's playing out my twin fantasy. So I would have uh, myself with long hair, having sex with myself with short hair and trying to uh, put on the rubber onto, it was kind of, you know, crude drawing that they didn't exactly look the same, but similar. As I'm listening to you, um, I, I, I'm thinking that, wow, my, you know, my relationship to comics couldn't be any more different than what yours is. And, you know, and I'm struck by the fact that you identify as a cartoonist, which I, you know, I admire and respect. I've always loved cartooning, cartoons, uh, you know, growing up as a kid from the old Warner Brother cartoons, you know, all the way to, you know, more contemporary, uh, even adult co- cartoons, etc. Yeah, let me, t- let me tell you a little bit um, about, you know, my uh, involvement with, um, you know, quote unquote comics. And then um, I would love for us to maybe talk about the contrast and compare uh, the 70s and what we were doing back then in the 80s to, you know, to uh, your current practice. So um, <clears throat> now, you know, I, I consider myself an artist and I've always used different uh, uh, mediums. It usually depended upon what my idea was. So I've done serigraphy, silk screening, uh, paintings, acrylic. Um, I also did a, 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 uh, a, what would be considered a prototype zine called Homeboy Beautiful Magazine in 1978, 79. But, but as I, inform people it was it was about uh, a mechanism or a way to show the intersectionality of my gay queer identity and my chicano identity and where the two intersected uh and where they clashed and you know and and so that's and so they were like little novellas and they were they were they were not politically correct they were very you know filled with parody uh humor i i would take to task the general white population for um, being indifferent to or thinking that Chicanos didn't exist, we were invisible, the culture. But at the same time, I was also ridiculing the machismo and homophobia that I found within Chicano culture. So, you know, but um, in, um, in the mid eighties, you know, and of course, as, as you well know, I mean, uh, 
it was a very different time. And, you know, AIDS was uh, devastating our community and it was uh, disproportionately devastating people of color and Latinos. And, um, and, um, and I, was, I was working in HIV advocacy and I was doing case management for people who were going blind from HIV. But um, I also, you know, had friends that were working in uh, certain organizations that had sprung up were creating in response. And there was a program called CORE in West Hollywood that focused on the hustlers and, uh, you know, that uh, were in West Hollywood. Uh, a good portion of them were Latinos, uh, you know, from Central America, from uh, Mexico, from just all different parts, some of whom um, didn't even speak English. And so it, the CORE program was very aware that any kind of information about, you know, uh, how to protect yourself, how not to transmit HIV, um, you know, was kind of lost on this population who were most at risk because they were doing uh, sex for survival. I understand. Yeah, a lot of the information that was coming out was, you know, updates on clinical trials coming up and, you know, and then, uh, and, and there was a lot of, you know, academic or medical language involved. Uh, and so that was a turnoff because a lot of these hustlers were not, you know, uh, they had a very little formal education. And, uh, and then, uh, then there was a whole nother realm of information related to HIV and AIDS that was geared towards the gay community. And many of these individuals, many of these young men did not identify as gay. And many of them had, were married or had wives at home and, and, and even children. And so, you know, it was obvious that everything that was already out there was not really reaching this very at-risk group. So, um, so the core program uh, did this, uh, came up with this concept and they got federal funding under prevention for HIV. And they created a little comic book called Chicos Modernos. Oh, I love that. I love that. So can, can, I, can I just ask you real quick here before I go on? So when you hear that Chicos Modernos, does that mean anything to you? Does that register? What does that mean? I love it so much. Um, well, okay. So I said that I was from Peru. Did yeah. I? Did I? Yeah. Know? Okay. So in Peru, um, the word moderno yes. actually refers to somebody who is, um, uh, there is a specific word, but uh, who is both top and bottom, who is verse. Ah. Okay. Moderno means your verse. Oh, and okay. So it means that there's more options, right? Or that you just have like a more like, you know, more, uh, yeah, just more modern attitude. Yeah. Right? Because it's expected for Latinos to only be tops or only admit to being tops, right? But then there is the Chico Moderno, right? Yes. That will go for it, right? So I kind of love that attitude, especially because I was once just a top, right? And then I got, there's even a comic where I'm like, oh, I just don't feel like I'm uh, gay enough, you know? Ah, wow. Well, then that's, that's perfect. Because, you know, at the time when, they, when the name was chosen, Chicos, you know, Chicos Modernos, um, it, it, it was sort of the, uh, sort of understood or known within the Latino and, uh, community in, in Los Angeles that uh, that was a, a kind of code word or euphemism 
for you know being gay or a man who had sex with men or who was I love open it to right right so, yeah and but it was also something that you know people that were unaware could see it and go oh modern boys oh okay like you know and not understand yeah yeah that's cool it also reminds me of those magazines that were uh, once just for male youth uh, like boys life or or something like that right um, yeah so it takes it back also to that more uh, romantic time uh, where you're just uh, experiencing sex for the first time right so I was um I was attending uh, the Sunset Junction Street Fair in Silver Lake, which was really, you know, popular. And, and it was, you know, where you were all these different communities, you know, would, would set up, you know, booths and you'd have, you know, Thai people, Korean people, all kinds of food, great food, all these Latinos um, in the Silver Lake neighborhood. They would also hire uh, some of the, the, the gang members, you know, who to kind of address their homophobia to sort of, understand and meet with the gay community to kind of bridge and they hired them as security. So they, they, they were invested in the uh, festival. And while I was there, someone handed me a copy of Chicos Modernos. And it was, you know, small about, you know, what, eight, eight nine inches and, and, and a very compact and it was colorful. And uh, I started to read it and it was all about these characters, Carlos and Diablo and, uh, and, and their, Kind of negotiating through uh, HIV and uh, what was safe or not, you know. So and I loved it immediately. It was a it was a it was a comic book. Yes, it was a comic book, and it was you know in in, in you know in Spanish, and uh, and I'll, and for full disclosure, um, I'm second generation Chicano, so I'm sort of pocho, or you know not sort of I am pocho. <laughs> um, so my comprehension of Spanish is limited, but when I saw the comic book, I loved it, and I thought. My gosh, I should do something like this. Ah, oh, okay. So it, it kind of inspired you to tell your own story. Well, it inspired me that this seemed like a mechanism, a way for me to put my artistic practice towards my work in HIV advocacy. Because you know, the, the, the two were sort of separate at, at that point in time. And, uh, and then about uh, uh, the, and the artist's name, that did the illustrations, his name was Bruce Rapp, R-A-P-P. And about five months later, uh, I get a phone call from one of my, at the time, good friends that uh, there were about 10 of us that all went to Cathedral High School. We were all, um, you know, it was Catholic boys, uh, college prep school, but we all kind of came out together and hung out together. And some of us are still now lifelong friends, but we called ourselves Las Escandalosas. So, so um, Stephen, who was a Sandalosa, he called me up and said, hey, Joey, are you familiar with Chicos Modernos? I said, yeah, I am. I love that. And he said, oh, well, he goes, that's me and Bill. We did that from court. I'm the one. Like, oh, wow. I had no idea. Because then I realized that it was said, the, the name on there was a text by S. Munoz. So I go, oh, Stephen. Okay. And he told me that um, they're going to do the second edition of it. But that Bruce Rapp, the artist, is now too sick. And he said, would you be willing to, because I know you're a great artist, but you don't do art. Oh, my God. Would you be that is such an amazing story. Oh, I, oh my no, God. I was like, I would be honored. I, I would love to, please. And, uh, and so, I, long story short, I ended up doing the next three versions. 
But one thing to, I think that is an interesting contrast to, you know, your strategies and regarding sex is that because this was federal funding at that time, it was subject to the Jesse Helms Amendment, which said that you, there was nothing you could do in prevention that would promote or support homosexuality. So here the challenge was, I'm looking at this comic book. I'm going to follow these characters. We're going to talk about homosex, but yet I can't show them being sexual. I can't even show them kissing. Oh, my God. So I was, I was extremely frustrated, but I also then took it as a challenge. And at the time in my head, what I thought was, okay, like, what would David Lynch do? Like, I was <laughs> that is so fantastic. And, you know, and the, and the way that David Lynch could take kind of banal images and sort of, you know, have a, a, a kind of a, a, you know, more of a, an evil or provocative subtext. And so that's what I did. We did three. Yeah. And then the, you know, and these are, and, and I'll share with you some of the, the considerations that we had to deal with, because I, I have an impression that these are probably nothing that you had to concern yourself with, that, you know, we had a very targeted audience. So it was going to be individuals who, A, uh, may not be very fluent even in Spanish, uh, you know, didn't have uh, high levels of, of you know, uh, 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 education. So uh, they made it very simple that the language would be what we would consider the sixth grade level, which, which to me worked well for the characters involved. I, I just made them like, hey, regular guys, Latinos hanging out, you know. Like colloquial, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I, I did get feedback from people that saw it, uh, you know, where I'd be somewhere, I'd be at a club or a bar and we'd be talking and, and then somehow someone would mention Chico Smodernos. Like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I drew those. And they're like, oh my God, you did? Oh, let me buy you a drink. And I'm, it was like, oh. But, um, but they, they said, you know what? I know these characters. These are friends of mine. And that, that was what was important to me, that, that the individuals could relate to them. Uh, it also, we also knew that comic books as well as novellas were something that was part of the culture. And so it would be an, a very good mechanism for providing uh, important information. Yeah, yeah. I think romance and humor are, are the, the things that I am um, definitely want to keep like from the, from the Spanish, the Latin comics that I've read. Uh, what, what makes them popular is, is the humor and also there's some sort of romance going on there. Yeah. You know, you know what I, I, the, the illustrations and uh, comics that I, the, the, the example that I saw of your work uh, was about a character who was very fearful of getting tested for HIV. And I, I, I would love to kind of talk to you a little bit about that um, based on, you know, the fact that, I mean, and, and listen, I love that I can say this uh, now in 2020, and I'm saying it as much as I can. When I talk to folks about back in the day, I now say in the last century, what we did. Yeah, in the 1900s. It's amazing to me. It sounds, and it makes me sound like I'm 102, but you know. Um, that's what my students, that's what my students say is, Mr. Carlo, you're from the 1900s, right? <laughs> and I have to say, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, yes. So I've got a lot, I got a lot that you can learn from me, you know? But, um, <laughs> so the, the, the thing was, was that uh, fear of testing was 
also, and stigma around testing was something that was very prevalent back then, obviously. It sounds like it still might be current. And then, and, and just before I let you address that or speak to that, I'll just share with you that in my current role, um, I work for AIDS Healthcare Foundation. I'm director of global uh, advocacy and partnerships. We're in 45 countries. And it's amazing to me how in some of these countries, in Ethiopia, the homophobia, the fear, uh, you know, they're MS, men who have sex with men, gay men, they cannot even, I mean, they, they don't exist. They're not part of the conversation. And it obviously is a hindrance to addressing HIV. And, uh, and many of them are, you know, married and they have children. And so there's incidence rates of women. So it's amazing to me that here we are in 2020 and this stigma around even testing is still an issue. And, and it sounds like it's, you know, something that you're a little familiar with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that uh, there's still, I mean, you're, you're naming all these other countries, but there's, uh, here in New York, there are people who are living in secret. And because they are not just hiding, um, they are afraid of getting uh, sick. And so their, you know, their instinct is to not get tested. That way they won't know if they're sick. And as long as they can stay in this, in this headspace where they don't, they don't know, they don't know if they're positive or not, um, they can still believe that they are not sick. Like if you're not showing symptoms, then, then don't get tested, right? Uh, sounds, sounds like horrible how they're, you know, they're, Trump is talking about that, about COVID, right? But, but this mentality is from, you know, he is from the 1900s. And his mentality is uh, don't ask, don't tell, you know? Well, yeah, I, I, I can't even, yeah, I, you know, I, I could, I could spend 17 hours talking about number 45. <laughs> it, there's, yeah, there's, there's such a relationship. And also I was making this comic uh, during the beginning of the epidemic, right? And so the idea was, uh, you know, people not being able to get tested, right? People demanding for tests. And so it just made me think so much about what it must have been like back then where people were saying, you know, let's, let's get a cure, let's work on a cocktail or whatever. Uh, but they would have to stage these massive protests and get a lot of media attention so that people would take them seriously. Even though people were dying, people would ignore it, right? The whole society was in denial about their homo problem. Yeah, no, Carlo, you're absolutely right. And it's because of the, the, the quote unquote type of people who were dying. Oh, it's queers, it's homos, it's intravenous drug users, drug addicts, right. drug addicts. You know, oh, it's also Haitians, but you know, like nobody cared about the Haitians. Um, but the thing, the thing is, is that well, it just makes you angry, right? It just makes me so pissed, you know. And and also comics at at the time, um, not you know, I think that the comics that were being published at the time were really trying to portray, uh, like the you know. I mean, I'm thinking right now of comics like Wendell, for example, which were like a, a saving, saving, like it saved my life. It saved my life to see Wendell for the first time, because here was someone who was living through what was going on, uh, who was still falling in love, still pursuing his dreams and surrounded by friends. And 
being happy, even though there was all this stuff going on, he was not ignoring, he was working in this, you know, newspaper, a uh, queer newspaper where they would have then a chance to talk about these issues in a platonic way. Uh, even though it was kind of removed, it was not ignoring what was going on. Um, so I kind of wanted to, you know, take that kind of positive attitude, that kind of, you know, innocent character that was also going through it. Like, what if, like, in that universe of, like, gay people living their life in a comic book kind of way, sitcom kind of way, what if I could create Paco, right? Paco is, like, my version of Wendell, you know? And that's, this is also why I chose to do it as a comic strip because I, I have done, like, zines. I've done, you know, murals, painting posters, even, like, videos, right? Like, experimental videos of Latin men, um, in the dark, smoking, uh, blowing out smoke from their mouths. Uh, you know, kind of like a David Lynch kind of thing. What you're saying is kind of like suggesting these like romantic images of what would usually be considered a dangerous person or a criminal, right? Instead, here he is as like a heartthrob, right? Or, or it, it's just taking that really hard stereotype and just turning him to the side a little bit so that he, he actually looks hot, hot and desire, desirable and romantic. Um, you know, getting back to when you had mentioned about, and even today, uh, individuals, Latinos, who say that, you know, no news is good news, that they'd rather not get tested because they don't. I mean, I'm struck by how counterintuitive that, uh, that perspective is because if, if, you, if you are fearful of getting sick, better to know your status and then get on antiretroviral therapy and you're not going to get sick. Just like, you know, and I, and I say that and I, and I say that with, there's a little bit of anger in there for these young pups that don't quite get that. And I've had these conversations for years and for full disclosure, I'm 40 years HIV positive, asymptomatic, never thought I was going to live to see 30, much less, you know, um, this year I'll be 65. And it's, it's, it's attributed to the antiretroviral therapy that I am on. And, you know, and, and I, have, I still know that today there are young queer men, mostly black and Latino, in, in the United States who are dying from AIDS, which, which, you know, is just astounding to me that in 2020... Right, with all the information out there, yeah, with with yeah, and that's and that's where I've told people, well, gee, we don't really know. I said, actually, you know what? You know, if I ask you about Kim Kardashian, you know where to access that information. You know what? You can you just have to Google it. You can find information there. There's right, and you know these these hetero these heterosexuals making porn porn videos. They don't use rubbers either. So so it's you know like every you know it's like. Even in the movie Short Bus, yes. Uh, uh, I don't know if I want to put this out there, but if you look in the background, I am there doing it with the director's boyfriend. Okay. Oh my God! I'm gonna watch that movie again. The 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 heterosexual people weren't using rubbers, you know. And like and like he, you know, this is the like the, the day of the shoot, and we are kind of just like looking at each other and like, okay, well, we're being safe, and like we. Yeah. Don't feel like we're putting ourselves in danger, but like, you know, what message? I mean, maybe they're like a couple. You know, maybe they 
you know, got tested or maybe, maybe they have a baby. I don't know. But like, what's the message that is being put out there, right? Um, I just felt like it was kind of like a conflict. Yeah. Um, and I just always feel like there is like this pressure for homosexuals um, to, to, you know, be on, the, be on it, you know, be always 100% like on the case. But there isn't like this pressure, you know, for like heteros to act the same way or to have the same kind of, I mean, it is, I don't know. It's just like they can get away with it and not have to get the blame kind of like our community, you know, gets, gets the blame or is, is seen as irresponsible. Uh, you know, my, my dad, my Peruvian dad tells me, be careful every time he says good, goodbye. But he's the one, he's the one who got another woman pregnant and had to marry her. Okay. And so, you know, now he's, he has two extra kids. And so I just, I'm sick of the hypocrisy, you know? And so it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, having to, you know, do this comic about this subject, because um, I think that, um, I think what uh, people need to be able to feel safe to get tested is they need, they need support. They need support, support around them that will not only like encourage them to get tested and, and like know their status, but maybe actually like kind of demand to know their status. Um, you know, someone, you know, you know, having like a friend who, you know, is going to put some pressure, you know, on you and kind of make it kind of like an expectation, you know, if these two characters, if these people are going are gonna to have sex, um, here has to be someone, you know, taking that kind of, um, you know, taking it to the next level, you know, like, like the, let's be more intimate and actually go get tested together. Um, that was all kind of, you know, pre, pre, pre prep. Uh, I would go with my lover and get tested first, you know, and then have to wait a week of not doing anything and then, you know, decide to, you know, do it without condoms because there's also, you know, other things that you could get herpes or whatever. Right. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it would, it would, it would have to be a decision that was made in the beginning of the relationship, taking that gay relationship, baby relationship to a kind of like adult or 18 and over level, you know, having to go get tested with your lover was for me kind of like a rite of passage. Uh, It wasn't just about uh, having sex for the first time and making sure my ass was tender. It was more about like knowing if the other person, you know, what did they have, you know, and if they have something, how can we manage that so we can still have sex, you know? Um, it's so it's not just, you know, so that person has to have support around them, but also like somebody has to be demanding that they know their status. Like it's just like a rule for the relationship. Well, that's, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you, but that strikes me right now that the, 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 the comic that I saw, uh, the cartoons that I saw of you where, um, that, uh, what was his name? Paco or the the guy he's in the, he's in the club. He's fearful of getting, uh, tested. And then he's got his friends that are encouraging him and they're there for him. Yeah. I mean, I mean, first of all, first of all, he had to be able to admit to them that he was afraid. Yes. Right. Absolutely. So this is something that I actually was inspired by a book by Samuel, Samuel R. Delaney, who's another queer writer that I love. And he wrote a book called The Madman. 
in which there was a young Asian uh, college student who was looking for the lover of, of his mentor, of his teacher. Turns out that his teacher would hook up with homeless men in the park, right? And had this crazy adventure with one homeless man who he, he called the madman, Mike the madman, right? Uh-huh. And so he was so afraid of getting HIV that he only performed oral sex on this guy, right? So the book was all about the obsession about dick cheese and like making the foreskin extra large to have extra dick cheese because that was the thing that would like get him off the most, right? Is to have sex with this guy. And then while he was having sex with him, he would turn into some weird sci-fi monster, right? So he was having sex with this weird monster. And then at the end of the comic, he was like, oh, I couldn't find Mike for months, but I had this weird digestive problem. Oh, I had to go to the hospital. Oh, it turns out I had parasites from eating ass too much, right? But he was like in the hospital and like they, made, they forced him to get tested for HIV in the hospital. And so he didn't want to get tested. He was afraid that he had something. But at the end of, the, at the end of, the, of this book, which is this crazy romance with this homeless man, uh, he finds out that he is HIV negative. All he has is weird parasites from eating butt, right? And so this book, in a way, was like, you know, saying, there, here's this character who was so afraid of getting HIV, was only having oral sex, um, thinking that that would, like, keep him safe or whatever. But he was still afraid because every time he would think about this man, he would see him as the, a monster who was inserting himself inside of him and stuff. It was crazy. And so at the end, he was like, oh, but, you know, at least now I know that I'm HIV positive, uh, negative. Um, and so I kind of took that idea. I was like, oh, interesting. At the end, you know, you're thinking that he's going to get something. He's going to get something. Uh, like at the end of my uh, romance comic called Killer Heights, you think that this boy is going to, you know, suffer some great whatever, some pain for being in love with a man. But no, he just happened to find a kid his own age, right? I kind of wanted to have that kind of twist ending where you are, you know, so used to reading these comics or these stories where your hero dies at the end, where like the, you know, the the, the actual heroism comes from, um you know, dying with dignity or something, uh, something horrible like that. And in, in, in my comic, I wanted the character to live, but also have gained something from going through this experience, right? At the end of the comic, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm negative, but I still have to go back and get tested, right? And so that's what he learned. He became like more brave, at least just a little bit, just a little bit more brave. Well, Car- Carlo, you know, one of the things that we haven't touched upon, um, here is the advent of uh, prep, and you know, and I'll, I'll tell you uh, as a as a gay man, uh, and in you know forums related to uh, talking about prep and the gay community and MSMs, whatever. Um, I actually took the stance that, you know what, it given the parameters around daily adherence, right? If if you all can do daily adherence, go for it. But let's be real about this. In general, Americans or people, and I don't think it's just Americans. I think, you know, all all kinds of people. We, we, as human beings, we aren't very good with 
uh, regimens that require a daily taking of medication. I mean, and, and the example of that is that, you know, how many folks uh, get a, a prescription for a, a two-week uh, regimen of uh, taking antibiotics and they start and then they feel better and, you know, and you've got that left in your medicine chest. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's also why I wanted to include it too, as like part of the conversation uh, of the, for this character. I mean, I always want to be careful about like, not like selling this product. Right. Um, but I kind of wanted it to, you know, kind of exist as like this, you know, other option that is there um, that, you know, now he, now that he knows his status, at least now he can consider whether he can take it or not. Uh, before that, it really it didn't even exist as a possibility for him. Sure, yeah. Right? So I kind of wanted to mention it um, as like a conversation topic, you know, that like uh, Chicos Modernos, right, are having um, now, you know, about this. It's, it's, it's not just how people, fl- it's, it's not just a conversation, but it's also how people flirt to each other and seeing how open you know, or, or how, um, how uh, uh, willing they are to go sexually. Well, you know, um, again, related to uh, PrEP, the onset of PrEP, um, you know, we here in Los Angeles in different community forums and, and you know, webinars and stuff re- related to PEP and its rollout. Um, one of the things that I found for me personally a little disturbing, and I mentioned it to um, you know, folks, is that I see uh, a, a certain portion of a young gay or queer generation of men who are now walking, talking advertisements for a pharmaceutical industry product. It's Truvada. And I said, you know what? It's a product just like Coca-Cola, just like Cheerios, just, you know, Nike. And the fact that you're going around saying I'm 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 a prepper or I'm you know, I'm a prep whore that you're that you're you know the the commodification of your identity as a young gay man or a gay queer Latinx I said I I you know that that's disturbing I mean I also found it back in the 70s when everyone was doing the clone look and everyone was <laughs> trying to trying to be a clone and I'm like you know what I'm sorry I'm more about the individual uh, you know I mean I appreciate it if you want to dress up like a cowboy no problem. <laughs> But, you know, uh, that's also, I guess, why I have these people talking about it in my in my comic. Um, but I am always aware of like, I don't want to make it into an ad for that. You know, um, uh, I more kind of want to make uh, as I mean, I am aware that by creating a comic book character, I am like reinforcing certain stereotypes. Um, namely you know the immaturity of young queers or or even the ignorance of people of color but i also want to add to the stereotype that this person can change and can be responsible and is acting out of love i love it i love it no i and i i would say to you i th- i think you know and i know we're getting short on time here but i was going to say that you know, we've been talking about the differences and uh, the, the, the different centuries. But I think the, the one thread of connection between what you do and your creative output and what I did back in the day with Chicos Modernos is that I, I'm pretty sure that we both feel like if there is one person, even one Latino, one queer Latinx or however they identify MSM, 
who is able to look at our comic, our comics or cartooning and get something that helps them to work through either their fear, their anxiety, their strategy for, you know, being, being sexually fulfilled, but you know, they're limiting your risk and also, uh, how you, uh, limit the risk for passing, not just HIV, but any STDs in the queer community. I mean, you know, that's, I, I, I think that's, uh, like I've always said, if there was one person who got something out of Chico's Modernos, my job is done. You know, I, I, I feel that that was a, an accomplishment. And, um, and just the, yeah, and the, the small, the, 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 the small uh, example of your work that I've seen, I, I, I feel like we've got that definitely uh, similar. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I just, you know, want to be able to, you know, put something out that people can identify with, that they can connect to that they can see themselves uh, represented in some way. Um, yeah. You, you know, and then the, the, the other, you know, uh, I, and again, I don't mean to make this about myself, but I'll just say again, this. Do it, do it. Been, no, but that someone who's been living with HIV for 40 years, mm -hmm. you know, when, when people say, oh, you know, because I've met young people that will say, oh, if I get it, that's okay, because I'll just take a pill, just like you. I'm like, you know what? I, I said, I'm here today. But I could, if I was on a stage, there would be 20 empty chairs for friends of mine that are no longer here. They, they took the same medications that I did. They tried the different variations of, you know, uh, 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 different cocktails, and they would either not work for them or they'd have side effects. And we really don't know why. So why put yourself in the position where you would have to negotiate medication in order to stay alive? I need to constantly check my bone density. I need to check my kidneys, my liver. You know, it's, you know, now don't, don't get me wrong. I ain't complaining. I'm, I love that I'm here today and able to talk to you. So um. there is um, a community of people who prefer not to know, you know, and I was one of those people at a certain time. And I said, oh, I'm just too afraid. But then you conquered your fear. Well, I was also surrounded by people who were supportive to me who wanted me to know my status and demanded that I know it. And luckily I was in the situation where no matter what was going to happen, I was still going to be loved and taken care of. Um, but if that wasn't there, I don't know how long it would have taken me to go and, you know, go through that and get tested. Carl, I, I think we're probably, we've already used up our time. I just want to say it's been a pleasure uh, having this conversation with you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really, I would love to continue having more conversations. Oh, I, I, we, can, we can arrange that, definitely. Hey, it's Alexandra again. Just wanted to follow up on something Joey mentioned in the conversation. On the Spanish language comic, Chicos Modernos, 1989-90, Joey Terrell employed techniques he developed on the staging ground of Homeboy Beautiful, an art zine he made with collaborators including Teddy Sandoval. Because Chicos Modernos was published with support from the Los Angeles County Department of Health Services, its depictions of sex were proscribed, but Joey Terrell nevertheless found a way to pursue his mariconography, a term coined by Rob Hernandez to describe a quote, combative, unapologetic, and flamboyant set of tactics developed by queer Chicanex artists. 
Terrell draws the faces of the chicos modernos in an expressive, engaging style that makes them feel like real people who were themselves learning practical lessons on condom use and HIV testing. But it's not all didactics. The characters watch over each other. El Diablo, a homo homeboy par excellence, has a thing with a closeted married man who doesn't want to have safe sex. Diablo's friends intervene, and he realizes he is putting himself and others at risk. In the third issue, El Diablo shares his revelation with undocumented sex workers on his street. He meets Jorge, a new love interest, while passing out safe sex literature. Chicos Modernos imagines a quotidian utopia. Its close-knit, gay male-identified community offers an urgent and direct model for survival. Strip AIDS 2020, curated by Paul Samet, is part of a larger exhibition looking at comics and HIV that would have taken place this summer in NYC. The show is being rescheduled, and a new date will be announced in 2021. In the meantime, stay tuned for new podcast episodes each week as we dive into the three other comics that are part of Strip AIDS 2020. And don't forget to check out the rest of the project at visualaids.org comics, where you can also see links to other works by the artists involved. Finally, I want to give a big thank you on behalf of Visual Aids to Carlo Quispe and Joey Terrell, as well as Fletcher Alexson, who recorded and edited this episode, and Paul Samet for curating the project. You can find out more about Visual Aids' work at their website, visualaids.org, on Facebook at Facebook slash Visual Aids, and on Twitter and Instagram at visual underscore aids. Strip AIDS 2020 was funded in part by the New York Community Trust DIFA Fund. The Strip AIDS 2020 website and this podcast is funded in part by Humanities New York, with support from the National Endowment for the Humanities. Until next time, I'm Alexandro Segade.